welcome to a recently re-sparkalized episode of <laughs> We Only Look Thin. I am Katherine Weigel. I am one of your hosts. Yeah. And with me today is... Donald Weigel. And I am also one of your hosts. And uh, I wish I could say that I was re-sparkalized. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. But I'm just normal, old, sparkalized. Normal, normal, Yeah, Donald not re-sparkalized. Yeah. Uh, but... Please enjoy the sound of Donald Weigel's voice yeah. while you can, because yeah. this is another episode that does not feature Donald Weigel. Yeah, we, uh, you know, a few weeks ago did uh, a couple of episodes in a row that were a, you know, audio from Zoom that happens in Walt Place, our online support and accountability group, and I was not really in them, and the popular response was <laughs> overwhelming. People were so thrilled Look, that I was not two, really in those episodes. Two things can be true. They were great episodes with Sam. Yeah. You were not in them. They were not necessarily great because you weren't in them. They oh, just happened to okay. be great. All so right. I, well, I, I misunderstood the hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of comments that we got online about me not being in it. Anyway, but as Donald was saying, say say it again. Say hello. Hello. See, you're enjoying Donald Weigel's voice. Yeah, here it is. Um, in Walt's place, we do uh, weekly Zoom meetings, and a lot of times I do content that I create on my own. But in this series, I spoke with Walt member Catherine Sanders. Yeah. She is a Walt member and an ADHD coach. And she talks about her experience being diagnosed with ADHD at age 42, which she actually said was very typical for uh, women with ADHD. It doesn't get diagnosed until later in life. Yeah, it's pretty surprising to me. Yeah. So she uh, goes on to talk about how ADHD affects people in their weight loss and fitness journeys and sort of how not to be a victim to uh, maybe some different ways of processing content that uh, that other people might have. Yeah. And look, I want to address two things up front here. The first one is that she is Catherine with a K. Yeah. And my wife, my wife is Catherine with a C. So when you're listening to it, it's very important that you imagine (laughs) the K or the C, depending on which one is talking. Um, And second of all, Um, you know, I don't consider myself to be somebody who's got ADHD. I've never thought of myself that way. I don't, you know, I I don't think I, you know, whatever the definition is of it, which, which Catherine goes over. Um, I don't think that applies to me. However, I found this talk to be so useful and, you know, she really seems like the kind of person that I would like to coach me <laughs> in my life. And there's so much, you know, that I think that regardless of whether you you identify as ADHD or not, there's so many things that she talks about that are relatable to all of us in our lives. And not just if you have attention deficit disorder. Yeah, there were so many things uh, through her presentation that resonated with me that I didn't even connect to being a processing issue. So it was uh, maybe I need to maybe talk to a physician about an actual diagnosis. But whether you're diagnosed or not, there's some great content in here. And further, I think as part of our experiences, we've learned that not everyone processes information the same way. Uh, Donald is a questioner. I am an obliger in the Gretchen Rubin context. But actually understanding how other people's needs are different than yours is really important. So whether or not you struggle with this yourself, uh, I think you can get a lot out of this episode with Catherine. She also has a Scottish accent, which is basically the best accent in the world. Yeah, look, we don't want to offend all other people with other accents, but Scottish is probably the best one. Yeah, probably. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. As a Catherine with a C, I am conceding that the Catherine with a K is better 
than me. So uh, give this a great listen. And if you want more information on Katherine Sanders, you can also reach her at lightbulbadhd.com for more information. We'll share that again at the end of the episode. But we hope you enjoy this uh, this Zoom recording. Oh, yeah. And it's a Zoom recording. So the, the sound's a little maybe less great as yeah, it's not episodes. it's not like on our on our professional podcaster microphones. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I think it's still uh it's easily listenable and I think there's so much good content in here that it is worth checking out. Yeah, so please enjoy. Hello and welcome to the August 29th special Zoom for Walt with special guest Catherine Sanders. Uh, she is working on becoming a certified ADHD coach and she is a member of Walt Place and has offered to do a little bit of an overview on adult ADHD for Walt members and uh, she's also going to be answering some questions from other Walt members about managing adult ADHD. So thank you all so much for being here. Uh, Luckily I'm going to be a little bit quiet on this episode but I might be Climbing in a little bit, um, but I have known Catherine for about five years or so from afar, maybe six at this point, um, and so uh, I'm familiar with her journey uh, a little bit, but uh, the ADHD part of it is new to me as well, so I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit more about Catherine's journey with ADHD and her coaching, and then sort of what signs uh, or me, how that might play out in our roles in working on losing weight and managing our chaotic lives. So I will turn it over to uh, Catherine and we will get started. Hi there, Catherine. Why don't you start out by uh, talking a little bit about yourself and how uh, you gained a passion for uh, ADHD coaching? So thank you very much for inviting me. Um, I am an autistic ADHDer. I was diagnosed in ooh, eight years ago now um, after my daughter was diagnosed with autism as a young child starting school. Um, I was really fortunate to be diagnosed at all because it's very difficult for women to have a diagnosis, especially when they get into their 30s and 40s. And, and yet we know that it's a lifelong condition and it affects us in every single part of our life so for me um leaving aside the kind of autism element of my diagnosis I find um when I was it's weird you get the diagnosis and then you go back through your life and you see the things that were not picked up so for instance when I was a kid I remember my granddad saying uh can you not sit down have you got ants in your pants because I was just constantly moving and on the go and jumping up and down. But I would not have thought of myself as a hyperactive kid. Um, At the same time, when I was in school, I was very inattentive and I was dreamy. I couldn't follow what the teacher was saying. And there was a whole bunch of stuff that kind of made a lot of sense looking back. And as an adult, I found the transition to parenthood and then going into perimenopause each of those transitions caused huge disruption where the amount of scaffolding I needed to to manage my life changed radically. Um, So being being diagnosed in my 40s was actually fantastic 
because all the other stuff I'd been through, the eating disorder, the OCD, the depression, the anxiety, it all made sense. It's our brain's way of managing uh, neurodivergent brain wiring in a neurotypical world. So um, it has changed my life. And the, the latest way it's changed is training to become an ADHD coach, which is not therapy, it's not counselling, it's not psychology. Um, it's helping other people like me to manage their brain in a way that allows us to fulfil our potential. So, well, and I, I think too, with that, you know, I, for a long time, I wondered why someone would want to come to me in support yeah. of managing weight, because as we all know, I am not fixed. I am managing some weight gain right now. I'm losing again, but the ability to understand what other people are going through because you've experienced it is very different than someone who might have book experience or who might be a personal trainer who knows how much weight you should lift versus someone who actually struggles with parenting and perimenopause and eating disorder. There's an intimacy and understanding that comes through with that. So again, I really appreciate you uh, sharing your perspective. I think that's really crucial, Catherine, because um, one of the differences in coaching is it's a partnership. It's a, it's a, working relationship between equals I might know a little bit more about ADHD I might have a different perspective but so much coaching is about giving you a new context asking the right questions using tools that you might not have already and um, using them so that you can make the changes because you are the expert on your brain and your life and you know what's going to work and you know what isn't going to work and there's no point me telling you here are 10 ways to declutter your house this weekend. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. So let's let's take a step back and understand coaching as a partnership and a relationship and a dialogue and a journey. All those nice, non-stressful, non-TikTok friendly ways of working. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into my brain and TikTok. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Before we get started, because Catherine yeah. has a big presentation to go through and then a bunch of questions to yeah. answer, just from uh, those who are on the call, who are on video, or if you want to put it in the chat, can you raise your hand if you think you might be impacted with any ADHD, either as a parent, as a woman, as uh, just someone walking through life? I see a lot of uh, nodding heads and uh, and high fives. So thank you for that. It's a big um, challenge to know that we've got uh, lots of different reasons that life is stressful for us. And like Catherine said, understanding the why behind why we've lived our lives a certain way and realizing that it might be more challenging for us to manage our situations. It actually, I think for me, makes me know that I, I'm less alone. It's like, oh, that makes sense. That 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 is why this is difficult for me or that's why I'm processing differently. Um, so again, thank you for, uh, for that. Okay, I am going to mute myself and um, perhaps turn over the presentation to uh, Catherine to get started. So thanks again. Here we go. Okay. Just briefly, Hold people on. who are diagnosed with autism there's a 50% likelihood a person with autism meets the diagnostic criteria for ADHD. It's not well, guaranteed, 
there's a big overlap. So just, you know. So um, thank you very much. I'm going to try and get through these slides as quickly as I can. And the first slide, what is ADHD? The official DSM-5 symptoms include it must be present before the age of 12. And the traits described include inattention, hyperactivity and impulsivity. They must be present in different settings, not just at home or at school, but different places. And it must interfere with your everyday life or work and cannot be explained by another mental disorder. Um, this is changing all the time. It used to be before the age of seven. And I think the latest round said it no longer has to be interfering in your daily life, although we all know that it does. <laughs> so, and I think the next slide is about the other symptoms of ADHD. So the other symptoms of ADHD that you're likely to recognize include things like variable focus. So we can focus on things that we're interested in really easily. We can find the same things that we found absolutely amazing, less interesting within a week. You know, we dive into things, we research all the information, we go down rabbit holes, and then it loses its sparkle really quickly. Well, and I, I think if, if we look at that too, I think that ties into weight loss plans. Finding oh. new information, going in different directions, <laughs> trying to research the best one and getting lost in that, uh, you know, searching instead of maybe taking action. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the procrastinating because you're procrastinating, um, procrastinating, procrastinating, all these other things, they're all connected. Um, we also feel things really intensely. So I think that applies to our eating behavior as well, because if you think about it, a lot of the time when we eat, we're trying to deal with feelings that we don't have the tools to handle or an outlet for. Um, the same with our uh, sensory awareness. Things smell really intense, they taste really intense. And sometimes that works in reverse. You know, some, some of us find um, in quotes, healthy food, just completely unpalatable. They're just not tasty enough for us to eat. Um, and also looking at ADHD paralysis, we have all the thoughts and all the feelings and all the ideas, and we just don't know what to do with them because there's too many. Um, so those are just some of the really brief symptoms and you could spend hours talking about them. But if we look at the next slide, we can talk about how we understand ADHD. So Dr. Thomas Brown is a fantastic researcher and he's written several really good books. Um, one of them is Smart But Stuck, Emotions in Teens and Adults with ADHD, which I highly recommend. And there's another more academic one, which is more for clinicians and geeks like me. Um, but he compares it to an orchestra which doesn't have a conductor. So you have all these wonderful instruments, all these fantastic musicians, but there's nobody at the front telling them what to do. And he regards ADHD as an executive function issue. Um, so executive function is how your brain prioritizes, integrates and regulates the other functions. And if you've ever tried to self-regulate using food, using TV, using other unhelpful means, you will understand, you know, what an executive function problem is. Dr. Russell Barclay has a more deficit-based definition. He says, 
It's a disabling condition that arises from neurological and genetic factors and causes problems in every area of our life, especially productivity. Leaving aside the disabling part, that sounds quite accurate for many of us. It does affect every part of our life. And, um, you know, there is a, a joining together of neurology, genes, environment, all these other things work together. We don't have one particular gene that switches on ADHD or autism. Uh, Dr. Nora Volkow studied dopamine levels and mechanisms in ADHDers, especially in relation to drug abuse and obesity. And this is really important for uh, those of us who have issues around food and regulating our food intake. She found ADHD patients had lower levels of dopamine receptors and transporters in areas that relate to processing motivation and reward. So our reward activation is different from non-ADHDers. We just don't find the same activities rewarding or reinforcing, which is why it's so hard for us to initiate and stick with a long-term project like weight loss. If you have 150 pounds to lose, that's a really long-term thing to do. And you're gonna have to have a lot of scaffolding in place to make that journey sparkly and interesting enough to stick with it. We need to have an understanding of the intrinsic value of an activity or a subject, not just be told it's important. So if your GP or doctor says, you need to lose 200 pounds or your knees are gonna fall apart. That doesn't matter unless you are experiencing either positive motivation, like you want to motivate her. I'm gonna, I don't wanna have my knees replaced. So, but we have a, we have a much higher threshold for um, activation than non-ADHDers. Um, again, doctor, another doctor, Dr. Dodson said, um, ADHD is a genetic, neurological, brain-based difficulty with engagement as the situation demands, which affects not just performance, but mood and energy level, which are solely determined by our momentary sense of interest, challenge or competitiveness, novelty, creativity, passion, or sometimes urgency, usually a deadline. And he's describing a difference. It's not less than, it's not a broken system. Our nervous system just works differently. Um, and I talk a lot about square pegs and round holes and I come back to that in the questions at the end. Um, and he's describing that here, we're just different. You know, we, we, we have a different set of criteria for what motivates us and it must be interesting. And um, ADCA describe it as a unique brain wiring requiring engaged interest with a clear purposeful intention in order to activate and access attention so we can manage our brain's executive function. And that is huge because when we are interested, when we're engaged, when our passion is lit up, when we're really motivated and it's a subject we love, we have no problem with executive function. And for a long time, that's why people thought we were making it up. <laughs> because, because they, but you can do this. Why can't you do that? Because that's important. Taxes, laundry, um, tidying. But it's not interesting. And if it's not interesting, I literally can't do it. Well, so and I, next... I, I think, too, part of this is once we understand what our limitations are or what our divergences are, 
I think I spent so much time saying, if only I was not married, if only I worked at home, if only I worked in an office, if only I like all these things, if only I was this kind of person, then I could lose weight or then I could manage my emotions. But understanding that we're built a certain way and we can use uh, resources like yours and to use our dispositions to our advantage instead of wishing we were someone else, realizing that this is our capacity and these are ways that we can manage our food choices or our, you know, our mindset based on who we are, not who we wish we were. Because I wasted so many years wishing I was someone else instead of going, oh gosh, so much of this resonates with me. Like instead of just going, well, I guess it's too late for me, or I guess I'm I'm too old, I'm too, you know, too scattered. I can't figure it out. And you know, from the side that you're showing, there are so many people who are undiagnosed as adults, you were diagnosed later. And having a little bit of understanding of how our brains work and saying, oh, oh, this is a thing. I get it now. Yeah. Now what? Now how can I move on from that? Um, so I think, you know, knowing is part of it and then being able to take action on it is is kind of the next part. Yeah. Education around what ADHD actually looks like in adult women is pitiful, even now, which is shocking because we know that at least 10% of the general population have ADHD and hardly any of them are diagnosed as adults. That's improving. And a lot of people think, oh, everybody's got ADHD now. The chances are you vibe with people who are also neurodivergent. So it just feels like everybody is ADHD. (laughs) It's just, you know, you find your tribe. And if that happens to be one that is neurodivergent, then hello, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't want to dwell on the negative impact of undiagnosed ADHD, but it does lead to things like difficult relationships, reduced employment. We're so much more vulnerable to addictive behavior, to depression and anxiety, and some really negative stuff. Um, in terms of food, we don't know exactly what the connection is. There's not one particular, uh, a neurochemical that we can supplement that will magically switch off our desire to to deal with difficulties through food. What we do know is that there are at least four different ways that ADHD impacts our food uh, relationship. We know that um, adults with ADHD are sometimes like four times more likely to be obese than the general population. Yeah, that's quite shocking, especially when you look at the last slide and recognize how many people are undiagnosed. A lot of the people that are just not able to manage their food intake or regulate it, it's ADHD. But it's not just impulsiveness. Impulsivity is really important. We do struggle with it. Um, When you think about the millions of messages we get about high fat, high sugar, ultra processed food constantly, our impulsive brain acts on those impulses much more than the predominant neurotype, the PNTs. Okay, we just take our brain takes over and we just grab it, and then, you know, our lifetime lesson of oh well, there I go, I messed up again, starts off and we spiral into rumination and paralysis and so on. Well, and we I also, sorry, pardon me. And I I think one of the things that I've really focused on in the last number of years, or what what we look at is what tools can we put in place 
to help ourselves, whether it's a policy about when you eat certain things or pairing certain things with other things, making it easier to make choices that benefit us in whatever it is. I think it it takes off some of that pressure because my brain, you know, it's like, I don't have an off switch. I don't have a like, when am I not hungry? But being able to put some things in place to help steer me in the right direction has made a difference. And it doesn't work every single time, but it definitely being able to guide myself in a direction using certain tools, um, I think is, it's empowering to me to know that I don't have to be a victim to every thought that I have, every negative impulse that I have, every self-destructive impulse that I have. Um, So I'll I'll be quiet again. So that's... (laughs) Yeah, I think that one of the things that we struggle with is um, a combination of awareness of our our own body signals and that's because you know our everything's dialed up to 11 for us all the time and so we try to distract ourselves from all that intensity but that has a knock-on effect of not knowing is this hunger is this thirst and you know they've done research and people with ADHD are much more likely to mistake hunger and fatigue for sorry thirst and fatigue for hunger so you know, that old drink water first, it's not always helpful, but it's quite likely that you are going to be thirsty. Um, So, oh, no, I have a typo. Executive function. Um, Executive function, again, thinking about it in terms of an orchestra, these six areas are the ones that impact ADHDers the most. Um, Activation is so difficult. So all this, leave your gym kit by the side of the bed or, um, you know, have a, there are techniques that you can use. They're not, they're not going to work in the same way for you as they do for neurotypicals. So don't feel bad if the advice that you've been given so far doesn't work for you, is my main message. Focus, we find sustaining focus and interest more of a challenge. It is possible. Um, but you're going to have to re-sparkalize whatever you're doing more frequently. When it starts to wear off, think about what's worked for you before. Do you need a new pair of trainers? Do you need a new binder? Do you need um, a new app on your phone that tells you to get up and walk around? Whatever it takes, do it. Okay? I love, I, I re-sparkalize. My, I might get that tattooed somewhere. I like that. That definitely adding some glitter to like, hey, remember me? I think... I, uh, that, I might have to steal that. I love that. Yeah, Reese Barclays, that's from my favorite uh, coach, Barbara. She's amazing. Barbara is just love in human form. She's incredible. Um, effort, regulating alertness, effort and processing speed. We all know it's one heck of a roller coaster going up and down on the ADHD ride. So there are times that you are going to struggle. Be kind to yourself please, because all of these things, these six things are constantly happening to you all the time. And um, the the number one thing I see from ADHDers, especially late diagnosed adults, especially women, we're so hard on ourselves. It's, it's just really sad. And don't forget, there is a chemical element to this. Your, your dopamine and GABA, G-A-B-A, um, we don't have the same amounts as neurotypicals. Dopamine 
regulates and promotes our arousal. Arousal, if we don't have enough of it, we get a bored brain, even if something is really important. And uh, GABA controls our inhibition. If we don't have enough GABA, we will eat a whole box of cookies. And we won't even notice until there's like two left, so you might as well finish them. We, we don't have the same brain signals. Um, so just be kind to yourself because executive functions are automatic in the neurotypical population, not for us. 90% of people don't have to think about all the stuff that we have to be conscious of, right, most of the time. And that's why saying things like ADHD is my superpower is problematic as far as I'm concerned. Yes, it can be amazing and I wouldn't change my brain, but um, it can be really difficult. And saying it's a superpower can be uh, really dismissive of the challenges that we face when we're dealing with taxes, laundry, tidying, family planning, groceries. It's, you know. Um, the other thing I'd like to say about executive function is it's, it's heritable. The chances are, if you are a frazzled, exhausted adult human with ADHD, the people you're caring for, the small humans, will also have the same challenges. They may be opposite. My daughter needed a lot of contact, a lot of deep pressure. I was completely touched out. I need so much space and time to myself. It's really difficult. Um, no. So don't feel bad about it. Okay. Well, and these are really, I mean, from the from the list that you have here, the activation, focus, effort, emotion, memory, and action. For anyone on the call, if you want to put in the chat, if anything kind of resonates with you as something that you hadn't realized was an issue. Um, for me, that accessing recall is a huge, like, like I had no idea that this was an issue for me, but I feel like I have to constantly remind myself what foods make me feel my best? What activities make me feel my best? Where do I, like, how do my boundaries work? Because just because we've done, you know, over 200 episodes on things, I forget what works for me so often. So that accessing recall is a huge thing that I didn't even recognize as a symptom, perhaps, of, of what I'm going through. Um, so we've got processing speed, activation, and emotion, uh, and that alone time thing. I am an introvert. Uh, Donna just noted uh, needing alone time. I refuel alone. Activity, I'm, I, I think I, I uh, self-diagnose as an intro, or extroverted introvert. I do not get energy from big, big crowds. I do not get energy from lots of people around. I need that alone time, no touch, no, you know, uh, nobody bothering me. That fuels me. And I think as we get older too, uh, boy, I, I, you've, uh, you've raised so many different things. They keep saying it gets harder to lose weight as you age. And I've heard that, oh, maybe it's hormones, maybe it's this. Think of the emotional load that each of us carry, the people that we're raising, the circumstances that we're managing as you know, uh, as, as people, it gets more and more complicated the older we get. It's not, life doesn't get simpler for many of us. It gets mm -hmm. more complicated with aging parents, children with extra needs, our own needs, perimenopause. There are so many things adding to our stress. Maybe it would have been easier at age 20 when, you know, the, the biggest thing I was concerned about was getting tickets for the concert that I wanted to go to versus today. 
So there's just so much going on here. Um, Sarah said, uh, when I'm lonely, I want to be with people. But when I'm overstimulated by people, I want to be alone. Yeah, there's no one right moment, no one right way to be. It, it can be uh, uh, frustrating. Uh, Heather said, processing speed, managing frustration, and modulating emotion. Modulating is a big deal. So thank you, uh, each of you, for sharing that. Yeah, and I think that's really important because... People think about ADHD as an attention thing, a focus thing. It impacts our emotions so much. And so I'm talking a little bit about how I see ADHD showing up in people that come for coaching. Perfectionism, guilty. Um, I don't get perfect results, but I am a perfectionist. I put so much pressure on, on every single thing I do, you know. We procrastinate because we can't be perfect. There are different kinds of procrastination, and that is a whole other that's a whole other talk. So I'm just this is like super high level helicopter looking down on a big seven lane motorway. This is, you know, the big eye in the sky view of ADHD. We are so lacking in self-compassion. And for me, that's been the biggest shift in the last year is making a real effort to practice compassion for myself. And that allows me to practice compassion for other people. Um, If you're not aware of Kristen Neff, then you should 100% check her out. She has short audio um, meditation type recordings just to get you to practice compassion. And um, I will type her name in the chat. Kristen Neff uh, talks a lot about self-compassion. We have proof that it reshapes your brain. So um, as an experiment, I'm going to do 10 minutes of self-compassion practice every single morning in August and just see what happens because next month's going to be really hard. And the other thing that we do is all the strengths, the talents, the amazing things that you've done in your life, the achievements, you discount them, you discount their importance and their significance. And what one of the jobs of a coach is to help you reframe your current challenges by looking at what you've achieved. And one of the tools I want to share with you in the next few slides is talking about your rainbow list and magnificent me moments. And I apologize for the name. (laughs) So what do we do about adult ADHD? Obviously, medication is really important, especially as we go into perimenopause and menopause as estrogen declines. And again, this is a whole other episode. As estrogen goes down, the impact on our processing, our attention, our focus is so much worse. And that's why a lot of women in their 40s and 50s go for diagnosis. It's not just the menopause that does impact us, but the estrogen gives a protective effect for things like um, autism and ADHD traits. And as that declines, we are so much more impacted by our ADHD, which is why I'm hoping to start medication in September, because I literally can't read a book at the moment. It's so hard. And I love reading. It's the thing I love, but I can't focus. So there's drugs, there's therapy. Please go to therapy because there are things that coaching cannot and should not touch. And if your coach decides to start acting like a therapist, 
go in the other direction. Coaching isn't about healing deep wounds and problems from your past. Coaching, my coach Jay says it's a conversation filled with love and wonder that leads to change. And it's wonder, not curiosity, because wonder means we don't know the answer. If you say, I'm curious, that generally means you have an idea what the answer might be or where it's going to go. Whereas if you say, I wonder, it just feels completely different. So in a session, a coaching session, we would start off with talking about what you really want to do or what's coming up for you this week uh, after talking about what's gone well for you. Then we would talk about what you can do to get where you want to be. Then we dig into what's getting in the way and that's where things come up. And if you find that you're getting stuck repeatedly on a subject, then I would suggest taking it to your therapist or your counsellor. But generally, it's just enough to have an awareness of that challenge and be because as soon as you're aware of something, you can externalize it and step away from it. Um, then we talk about what story you're telling yourself and think about how you can make a new story that takes you in the direction that you want to go. And we are going to stop there for this week, and uh, we will give you more of this conversation next week, and I believe the week after that yeah. as well. <laughs> you know what? It's interesting. There, you know, I usually do one-hour Zooms in Walt Place. We only look thin place. Uh, and this one <laughs> went much longer, and there was so much good content, I didn't want to cut it short. So uh, so that's why we're making this into a multi-part episode. So yeah, and look, as I like I said at the beginning, there's so much in here that, you know, even as somebody who does not think, you know, I don't think I have ADHD, I don't identify that way, but I really related to so much that she talks about in here. You know, we had mentioned resparkalizing at the very beginning yeah. of the episode. And, you know, I think that I need to do that all the time. Like I'll get I'll get hooked on a particular food or a particular exercise and it it feels great for a while. And then after a while, you know, it's that hedonic treadmill that yeah. we've talked about before. You know, and I just I need to, you know, spruce it up to make it more interesting again. Well, and I think too part of it is when we tie our success to a particular plan and then the plan isn't sparkly anymore we think that we have failed when what we really have the opportunity to do is adjust the way we do something i've talked about it before about having printed habit trackers and then i kind of lose focus on it and then i need a digital tra habit tracker so yeah. it's not focusing on the the end result really it's understanding that we have the opportunity to switch up the way we're doing something to make it more interesting so it's not uh, it's not a failure it's just a new way to look at things yeah and look one of the things that i've been you know i feel like i've been fighting since we started this podcast is fighting against that perfectionism yeah. you know that Ugh. she talks about and look I, I still i still do it in other parts of my life but you know that idea that that if we can't be perfect then we'll just do nothing you know it it holds us back in so many ways and you know we all the time i'll say things you know i get most of my exercise through through walking and through neat 
and you know which is the the movement that you do throughout the day and there are always people who are like well that's not real exercise yeah. like you can't you're not really exercising if you don't go to a gym and i've been you know fighting against that for years and years now because it it does burn calories and it does work and it is real and that idea that if i can't be perfect then i'll just sit on the couch and do nothing is something that I think a lot of people fall victim to. Yeah. Well, and my big takeaway from this was that you don't have to be a victim to every self-destructive impulse that you have. I know a lot of times we can think it's just the way I am. It's just the way I was born. What am I going to do about it? Or, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. But seeing that you do have the power to make adjustments and changes based on who you are and what you're ready to do right now in this season really does matter. It doesn't have to be some idealistic version. You can start where you are. So, so uh, that was my big takeaway. Also, read Sparkalize. Yeah, and I really liked what you said, too, about, uh, you know, the older we get, the more complicated things get, and the more emotional baggage yeah. we carry. And, you know, it's no wonder that the older we get that a lot of these things feel harder, you know, because we just have more going on, and we've got more life experiences that we're, that we're carrying around with yeah. us. And I think that everybody can relate to that. Yeah, so... Think about what you can take away from this episode. How can you take an action that you might have thought you couldn't before? How can you switch things up? Uh, we will talk to Catherine again in the next episode. And then uh, after that, we're going to do a little bit of a Q&A from uh, people in Walt Place. So you also have that to look forward to. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening. We are grateful for each and every one of you. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can find all of our episodes, over 240 of them now, uh, wherever you found this one. Uh, and also, anytime, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week yep. at weonlylookthin.com. Yep, even on leap day. I don't know. Even on leap day. That's right. That's right. I, I don't know, dude. Uh, <laughs> I was just trying to, like, what? But what about leap day? Yeah, no, the website stays up on leap day. Even on leap day. Yeah. Uh, so if you are at our website, you can also click on the link for join our support group to find out more about Walt Place, We Only Look Thin Place. Yeah. It is a weight loss accountability and support group based on Facebook for women. Uh, it is not a weight loss plan, but it is a place for honesty, compassion, and uh, accountability. So we have two subscription options, a monthly option with a three-day complimentary trial and a three-month subscription with a seven-day complimentary trial to see if Wool Place is right for you. Yeah, so check it out. I mean, and, you know, this Zoom is an example yeah. of the kind of thing that you have access to on a regular basis in Walt Place if you join. Yeah, and what so you if, th- if this really spoke to you, I feel like uh, this is something you might want to check yeah, out. Yeah, what else are you missing? You don't even know what's in there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're giving That's, you a taste. Let's, let's give everybody some FOMO but, so <laughs> that they join. Uh, and if you don't feel like joining, uh, you can interact with us. Or if you do feel like joining, but you also want to interact with us in other ways, you can find us on social media. Uh, we are at We Only Look Thin on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach out to us via old-fashioned email at weonlylookthin at gmail.com. We enjoy episode suggestions. We enjoy compliments. We enjoy more compliments. Uh, and we will even answer your questions. Uh, so weonlylookthin at gmail.com. Yep. And if you are feeling generous, you can head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and a review. Not only does it help others find our podcast when they are looking for inspirational, resparkalized 
uh, podcasting such as ours. Yeah. Uh, but it also boosts our spirits. Absolutely. And the other thing that boosts our spirits is telling people about our show. We are grateful for word of mouth. It's one of the uh, best ways in which the show grows. So if you know somebody that might like the show, just tell them about yeah. it. We would appreciate it. That'd be super duper. So the next time you're trying to imagine re-sparkalized inspirations, <laughs> <laughs> just remember that Catherine and I are, and, and other Catherine with a K oh, are, yeah. <laughs> Inspirations. Inspiration. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program. <laughs>